Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Editor Dave Schofield coming at you again Thursday morning, a week removed from the final day of mandatory minicamp. Almost, I could say, one week down, five more to go with that six-week period in between. But, man, I don't know about you. I don't want to wish away summer. This is, you know, summer break. I, I don't know. My, my kids are driving me a little bit nuts. So maybe I'm want to wish away summer a little bit but uh and of course i do want to get to steelers football as quickly as possible so i i don't know maybe there's pros and cons both ways either way i'm here talking to you it's stat geek this is what we do this is where we are thursday morning man yeah jeff hartman likes to call this the dog days of summer these six weeks where there's where there's End of end of OTAs and everything being done, and the one that Steelers report for training camp. And you don't want to hear a lot of news unless it's the right kind of news. And there's some good news to go out there. And we had some pretty big news on Wednesday with the Steelers working out their deal with Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, what's interesting was Tuesday night on the Scobro show, I had uh, behind the steel curtain writer Bradley Locker on for his first podcast as part of the network. Uh, he'd been writing with us as a volunteer and then became on, on the staff recently. So we wanted to have him on the show. That's what we kind of do on Scobro. We, uh, we introduce more. It's the family show, you know, brothers just talking football. And we try to introduce people to, from the BTSC family. So we had Bradley on and we were talking about, you know, there was five, five things to look for. I think we just got an answer for two of them <laughs> of what we talked about because we were talking about contract extensions. We were asking who would get it, who wouldn't. We all, the three of us, uh, myself, Bradley, my brother, agreed that we thought that two of the three would be done. Now, the three we were looking at was uh, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick, Deontay Johnson, 
Chris Boswell. Now, some people hadn't been talking as much about Chris Boswell. I brought him up a while ago about getting an extension. I can't wait to see that. I don't want the Steelers trying to save money in the salary cap. I want him to pay their kicker because he deserves it. I want to see him locked in for a long time. So, but that's a, the a, that could, that's a discussion for another day. But we were talking about that. That was one of the things that we looked at, and we got and we got an answer to part of that. The big one, Minka. We talked in there, and, and I brought it up. I said, "I, if you're a Steelers fan, don't sit anxiously checking your your news reports to see if Minka Fitzpatrick signs a deal. You'll drive yourself crazy. The Steelers don't don't often do deals during that time. I know I, I said at one point, Cam Hayward got a deal that was one of those in-between time things. Um, but generally they don't do them then. Not that they don't. They just, it's not as a popular time to get done because of, that's also a great time for anyone in the Steelers' office if they're going on vacation to take a vacation, things of that nature. But at the same time, the, this was supposed to be the Steelers' uh, mandatory minicamp, but they cut a week of OTAs short and bumped minicamp up a week. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But the other question that was that that um, that not question, but the other thing that Bradley had talked about as as a major storylines that could happen during that time was was getting to see the new front office in action. And although it's not all new people, there's some new people and there's some people that have been around. It's in different roles and things of that nature. And what are they going to do? So we kind of have an idea of that, but not completely because we don't have all the information about Minka Fitzpatrick's contract. We have some. And what I'm going to do in this episode, this was not what I was planning on doing. I made a, I had to do a quick pivot uh, after this news came out, is I am going to break down the numbers of, of what's been reported for his contract and what they could mean. Because there's a couple different ways you could look at this because you could look at it, oh, is it done the way the Steelers have always done it? Is it done more like TJ Watts last year, or is it going to be something completely different? We don't know yet until these reports come out. So this is my disclaimer right now. It is Wednesday evening as I am preparing to, to, to have this podcast run very early on Thursday morning. As of right now, I don't have any other information other than this. So I might be giving some numbers and there might be some more updates of exactly how this deal was structured. So for now, I'm just going to be given possibilities. Uh, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but there's certain things that you can look to do under under how they have this set up and everything with the Steelers. Um, so I'm going to dive into these and this is what we're going to do with the first half. I got a question I want to answer in the second half um, from from one of the great nerds of steel that that uh, threw a question out there to me. I already had it researched. I was going to answer uh, uh, another question as the other half of the show, and then the Minka Fitzpatrick thing happened. So thank you, nerds of steel, for the questions. I'm going to keep them there. I would love to have some more STLR Superfan Dad. That's my Twitter handle, or STLR Superfan Dad at gmail.com is my email. I love these questions. I want these kind of things coming so that way I can I can answer them. You'll see a ex- good example of a question in the second half when I dive into that one. But let's look at what we know exactly from from Mika Fitzpatrick Steele. I'm going to start at the very beginning. The initial tweet that came out, I did not see anybody having this before Adam Schefter. Maybe Tom Pelissero had it. Uh, I don't know. I, 
I don't know if it was him or Rappaport. It's one of the NFL Network guys. I don't know which one came out exactly first. But the Adam Schefter tweet reported that the contract extension was worth over $18.4 million per year with $36 million guaranteed at signing per source. That's what Adam Schefter tweeted. Now, as part of the NFL Network, what they included was that they said $73.6 million for four years is what they said. Well, if you take eighteen point four and you multiply it by four years, guess what you get? $73.6 million. Now, they all reported this as a four-year contract extension. All right, a four-year contract extension. When the Pittsburgh Steelers announced the contract with no financials, of course, but when they announced the contract, they announced it as a five-year deal. So you're, so some people may have been confused by this. So is it a four-year extension to five-year deal? Bottom line is it's five more years starting in 2022. Whether you're saying, all right, we're taking the $10.612 million that he had in his fifth-year option and we're rolling that up and then we're paying the $73.6 million for the four years beyond that. Generally, that's how they look at things when they look at all the record-breaking contracts is how much new money did you get and new years. That's how you can get to that $18.4 million. That's what puts him as the highest paid safety for now because there's other safeties that are still looking for a deal. Um, but at the time of his signing, Minka Fitzpatrick is the highest paid safety in NFL history with that $18.4 million per year. So that's how they look at it by the new money. And that $18.4 million is, is averaged over those four additional years. To me, when I'm going to break it down, I'm taking that, that 73.6 and I'm adding the 10.612 million that would have been his fifth year option. And I'm assuming that over the next five years, Minka Fitzpatrick is being paid $84.212 million approximately, you know, from, from these things, because we don't know if, if there's a few things here or there, and you're going to see that I'm going to do some approximations with this. So that's what I'm judging this off of is that there's that the, the 10.612 from this year, it doesn't go away. It's just wrapped up in, in everything else, the way it all comes out. So when you look at this contract, you got to make sure that all the numbers add up in the way that they're reported. And what's been reported from multiple places is $36 million guaranteed. Now, let me explain that to you in the way that the Steelers used to do deals. And then we'll have to expand it into saying, how might they be doing the deals now? And the reason I say how they used to do deals is prior to TJ Watt, when you saw that guaranteed at signing, that total came from two things, the base salary of the upcoming season and the signing bonus. That's all that the Steelers had ever guaranteed. When I say ever, I'm fairly certain that they've guaranteed prior to TJ Watt. You know, I, I can't remember everything exactly with Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm not going back to look at um, all that because – this is part of the Steelers moving on at the quarterback position. But the generally, because for the time that I've been doing contracts and everything at behind the steel curtain, that that was the easy way to do it. You look at the guaranteed money, you, you take off the, the base salary the first year, which is generally the minimum salary. That's something I'm going to assume 
Because until I see the Steelers do that otherwise, I don't think there's any reason to do that. Like, for example, last year, T.J. Watt, the minimum salary for someone um, with his years was um, $990,000. The Steelers rounded that up another ten k and paid him a million dollars. Okay, that's fine. To me, that's still basically the minimum salary because what is he's ultimately being paid that first year is the signing bonus. So when I looked at contracts before with the Steelers, when I would find out guaranteed money, I knew that that was the total of the first year salary and the signing bonus. So let's go ahead and look at what is the minimum salary for someone who is in their fifth year, which is what Mickey Fitzpatrick's going into for, for this, for 2022. Okay. You know, last year, like I said, it was 990 K now it's $1.035 million. Anyone who is going into their fourth, fifth, or sixth year of their contract. So obviously um, that's Micah Fitzpatrick. Uh, the, the only higher base is that is seven and above is $1.12 million. Just for your own knowledge, so, so you know, and, and the base salary for, for, for rookies is 700 and 5,000, which is up from 660 last year. And that will continue to rise to whereby, to whereby 2029, the, the rookie base salary will be over a million dollars. Um, that has to do more with part of the reason why the players accepted the, the, the new CBA is because owners, owners aren't dumb. They made, they put some good incentives in there for minimum salary players, which the majority of the NFL are. So that's how they could they they could get that through. But let's get back to this. So looking at the old way of the Steelers doing, I'm going to round that that 1.035. I'm going to round it to a million just to make things simple. Um to 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 where they do it to to maybe say that no, instead of 36 million guaranteed, it might have been 36.035. Uh is basically what I'm doing in order to 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 run some numbers past you. If the Steelers did things how they normally do and everything else that was guaranteed at the beginning means that's what his signing bonus was, that would be a $35 million signing bonus. Now, I don't know that that's what the Steelers did, but I'm giving you these numbers just to try to give it to you because the bigger the signing bonus, the bigger the 2022 salary cap hit. Because you take that signing bonus, you're going to divide it by the five years. You're going to add it to the 1.035 base salary that I am assuming Minka Fitzpatrick's going to have this year. And that's going to be his cap hit for this year. That's what it is. So the higher that signing bonus, the higher his cap hit for 2022 could be. So I'm I'm going to tell you what this would be. Now, now the reason this doesn't make sense to me, I mean, it could, but $35 million is a signing bonus. That's what TJ Watt got. That's what TJ Watt had his signing bonus as. But then TJ Watt had three years guaranteed. So the question is, we're going to look at both of these examples. The question is, did the Steelers say, all right, we'll give you the same signing bonus as TJ Watt, but you're not going to have guaranteed years past the first year? Or did the Steelers say, hey, we're going to give you your signing bonus and we will guarantee your second year salary? And that's what we're going to do. I'm really interested to see how this pans out. But I'm going to give you both sets of numbers. And the second one is really a guess, but I'll, I'll, I'll get there in a second. So if, let's just say, assuming, 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 assuming that Minka Fitzpatrick is, is having pr- basically a base salary of the minimum salary for his first year. If 
everything else that was left over a signing bonus, which would be $35 million, that would mean that that would, that would be $7 million per season spread out over the five seasons in terms of salary cap, which would make his, his 2022 cap hit $8.035 million. That would save the Steelers just under $2.6 million on the cap. So right there, if all of that goes to Minka Fitzpatrick as a signing bonus, his highest number, as, as long as we're assuming that he had a ba- the base salary the way the Steelers have done this, that the Steelers are going to save at least, I have $2.577 million to, to, to take it out some more digits for you, that that's what I have that the Steelers are going to save on this year's salary cap with Minka Fitzpatrick. If they do that, if you were looking at that, where 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 the thirty six million is all paid there, then what you're looking at is a little bit of a different story with how things go for the remainder of his contract. Because if you take that eighty four point two one two million that I'm using as what he's getting paid, and you subtract off that that thirty six million, and say, oh well, that's his base salary for over the next four years. That means that he would have a base salary of just over twelve million dollars for those last remain for those other four years. You know, some will probably be higher than the other the way they negotiated out. That's you know, but the average would be twelve point oh five. That's how that would play out. So just so you know, so that's already the Steelers saving two point five, almost two point six million dollars. As long that's my big disclaimer. As long as the base salary is the is the minimum. Like they often do, like you would do in a restructure. When they restructure someone, they drop the base salary to the minimum. They give all the rest as a bonus, assuming that's the way that they're setting it up. Now, the reason I I have to say this disclaimer is with, yes, it's Omar Khan who's done the deals, but it's not Kevin Colbert as the general manager. Khan might decide that's not the way he wants to do it, but that's based on that. And all I can do is go by Steelers history. Now let's look at the other scenario. The other scenario is pretty pretty interesting because what if they said, okay, we're going to guarantee more than the first year and the signing bonus isn't that $35 million that I said. The way it breaks down, I don't see any way that they guaranteed more than two years if they guaranteed all of each year. So, and that's what they did with TJ Watt. They guaranteed all of his salary for his for the first three years of his contract. To me, the numbers don't match up because that means in the if they did three years, because that means in the final two years of his salary, they would be paying him um you know a 40 some million dollars over that doesn't make sense. So it makes sense based on that that it would be that the most that they would do is guarantee this year and next year. So if they did that once again. Base salary, $1.035 million. Let's say instead of a $35 million bonus, let's say you've got to break it up now of that remaining $35 million and say, okay, how much of that was signing bonus and how much of that is salary for 2023, if that's what they're guaranteeing? Because the total amount of guaranteed money has to add up to that you know, that 36 that's reported. So what I did is I'm like, well, I went back, I looked at um, Jamal Adams contract and I saw he had a $20 million signing bonus. Let's see if it, let's do one better. Let's say he did, because, you know, make a guy a little bit better. Let's give him a little bit more of a signing bonus. Let's give him $21 million in the signing bonus. 
That means that Minka Fitzpatrick would have a $14 million base salary in 2023 that would be guaranteed. That's the way it could break down. So that's how I came to that, you know, with the $1 million base salary. That's how I got to the $36 million. How would that play out? If that happened, that means that Minka would have a cap hit in 2022 of $5.235 million, which would save... $5.377 million based on if, you know, the num- that example that I'm giving. So in other words, that would cut a salary cap number in half. So when I give that 2.577 that I gave before, to me, that's the, that's the minimum the Steelers are saving based on how it could be, it could be arranged where that 5 million could be more what, more in the line of what they're, of what they're looking uh, to save for this year. So, I also want to say, well, what, what if they did 20 million and 15 guaranteed in 2023? How would that change? Well, every time you reduce that signing bonus, you're basically also reducing the cap hit. And how much you're reducing the cap? Every million dollars you take off the signing bonus that Micah Fitzpatrick had, because it's spread out over five years, you're basically taking $200,000 off his cap hit for 2022. Because that's that's just the way it works. So we don't know exactly how it all falls. We're not sure at this time. I keep saying at this time. Um, I can't wait to to see what these numbers are and really break them down to see what kind of contracts we're looking at. I I do so much of my estimations based on how the Steelers operate. I want to see how things have changed. I really do. I need the data from this contract in order to be able to uh, estimate things a little bit better. So hopefully that that's there. But I, I, unless they did something out of the ordinary and they gave him, I don't know, like a three million dollar base salary, I, I don't know why they would do that to pay it to pay him that much money. But but maybe that's maybe that's where the thirty six has come from. Maybe they maybe they also paid him a higher base salary this year, which would mean that would be more of a salary cap hit um, than what I had estimated. We're not sure yet, but this is based on the way the Steelers do the numbers and what makes sense. So that's some numbers to look at with Minka Fitzpatrick. When we come back, I'm going to answer a question about some Steelers history when it comes to quarterbacks. But I'm not just going history. I'm going to kind of part of what I what I want to look at with that is how does it tell you what the quarterbacks this year, where they could fall in Steelers history just after one season. So stick around. We'll be right back. Steeler fans, here we go. Let's dive right back in here to the second half of this show. I know the first half ran a little long, but don't worry. I'm going to answer this question and, and just see how this all plays out. This comes from MDibs24 on Twitter. This who is at MDibs24, uh, who was asked questions in the past. He says, what quarterback has the best touchdown to interception ratio for the Steelers that started at least five games? So, 
I right right there. I went with that stipulation. He said it, so I did it. I said that the, the the quarterback had to start at least five games. What had what's the best touchdown to interception ratio? Now, when I go to Pro Football Reference, that's my go-to place to find stats. And I go back when when the years go. I will be honest with you, the earliest year that it showed was in the early 1950s. So I have a feeling that it only went from maybe 1950, the earliest one I had here was 1952, around that time forward. So I don't, I don't think the data from the 30s and 40s were, were included, even though I said all time. Um, just putting that out there to let you know. So I'm, I'm going to say it's from 1950. It's what I got historically for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I will tell you the number of players, the number of players who have started at least five games at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 1952, the number is 29. 29. Now, what's interesting about that is when I went to look at the touchdown to interception ratio, I said, okay, first things I'm going to do is, did you have more touchdowns than interceptions? That was interesting because out of those 29 quarterbacks that have started five or more games for the Pittsburgh Steelers, only six of them had more touchdowns than interceptions. That's correct, Steelers fans. Make sure you hear that right. Only six quarterbacks who have started at least five games for the Pittsburgh Steelers in their history, which I only have going back to 1950, apparently, have had more touchdowns than interceptions. Six. Now, tied at number seven, there was two that had the same. Two that had the same amount of touchdowns as interceptions. So I'm going to count these down to you to let you know how, how these go. So tied for number seven with a touchdown to, to interception ratio of one, 1. 1.00. We have Kent Graham. And Kent Graham, I'm pretty sure his numbers were where where'd he go here? I got I gotta find him. Okay, you're gonna love this. You ready? Kent Graham started five games for the Steelers um in 2000, and he threw one touchdown and one interception. <laughs> That's the numbers. And I should also mention that uh, he threw one interception and one pick six. So that's what happened on that interception that he threw. So that was that was one. Kent Graham, one touchdown, one interception. And then the other, Charlie Batch, 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. They are the, the – those are the last place – people that had one or better for their touchdown-interception ratio. Coming in sixth on this list was one, Terry Bradshaw. He has 1.01 as his ratio of touchdowns to interceptions because he had 212 touchdowns to 210 interceptions. I also have to say this is this is regular season because that's the way they keep NFL stats, just so you know that. So he comes in at number six. Number five. Tommy Maddox at 1.05. Tommy Maddox, 1.05, because he had 42 touchdowns and 40 interceptions. So that's that that's good old number five for the Steelers. So now we're now we're we're really moving along. Number four, Steeler fans are gonna love this one. Number four, Landry Jones. 
That's right. Landry Jones threw more touchdowns than interceptions. He had a 1.14 ratio. And I'm, I'm looking here trying to find his exact numbers. There, there they are. Cause he had eight touchdowns to seven interceptions. And yes, that put him fourth all time for the Steelers. Moving up to third place with 1.45, a player that has 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, that would be one Mason Rudolph currently on the Steelers roster. He is third all-time for the Pittsburgh Steelers in touchdown-to-interception ratio. That's right. A lot of this, as you can see, kind of depends on the era you were playing in because now there's a lot more touchdowns. I don't know that there's any less interceptions, but there's a lot more touchdowns uh, out there through the passing game. Number two all-time, Neil O'Donnell, 1.74 because he had 68 touchdowns to 39 interceptions. And then, of course, number one on the list and number one in our hearts, one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger with 1.98 as his. He did not quite get to where he had the had a ratio of two. He had 418 touchdowns to 211 interceptions, either two less interceptions or four more touchdowns, and he would have had that 2.0. Uh, but he's number one all time, like he is with a lot of statistics with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, because we have a few more minutes, although I answered the question, this got me thinking with some of these stats. You could talk pure numbers. You could talk pure numbers, but ratios and percentages I find intriguing because it's not affected by the number of games they played. I mean, if you look at Ben Roethlisberger, he has the most yards. He's also has, but he's got the most games played. I mean, if you look at it, Ben Roethlisberger started 247 games regular season with the Steelers. Terry Bradshaw, 158. Ben Roethlisberger, was one season away from from having 100 more starts than Terry Bradshaw. Third on the list, and this is a disclaimer, because these are games started and not all of these were at quarterback, is Cordell Stewart with 80. Okay, that just goes to show how much, I mean, 247 Ben Roethlisberger, third all time is Cordell Stewart at 80. And they weren't even all a quarterback. Then you have Neil O'Donnell with 61, Bobby Brister with 57, um, Bobby Lane with 48, uh, but players like that, Mark Malone with 46. That's, I mean, Tommy Maddox is in the top 10. Tommy Maddox is in the top 10 with 32 starts for the Steelers. Okay. That's, that's, that's crazy when you really look at it because that's how much Ben Roethlisberger really dominated things. And when you really look at it, Ben Roethlisberger was the Steelers quarterback during the era when passing went, started to go crazy in the NFL. They haven't, the Steelers haven't had a regular starting quarterback other than Ben Roethlisberger since that big jump. I mean, it started a little bit before Ben Roethlisberger, but really think it it mainly took off um, while he was the quarterback. So, but I like looking at some of these other things that are percentages to say, oh, okay, well, this is, this is interesting because it doesn't matter how many games they played. So, um, one of the things I looked at was completion percentage. Completion percent doesn't matter if you threw if you threw fifty passes or five hundred passes, or in or in Ben Roethlisberger's case, eight thousand four hundred forty three attempts. Whoo! But if you look at the completion percentage, who's the top five all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers? 
Um, see, top four is interesting because those are the only ones over 60. Number one is Ben Roethlisberger with 64.4%. Number two is Landry Jones with 63.9%. Number three is Devlin Hodges with 62.5%. And number four is Mason Rudolph with 61.5%, with number five being Charlie Batch at 59.4%. Then you go Tommy Maddox is six. Okay. Chris Check is seven. Neil O'Donnell, eight. Cordell Stewart, nine. Tom Zach, 10. As you can see, you are talking, other than, other than, than, than Khrushchev, um, who I think is interesting because he had zero touchdowns and six interceptions in his six starts for the Steelers in 76 through 79. Um, that other than that, these, these completion percentages are, are all guys, you know, in the late, from the late 90s through, through today. So that's how the game is different. I just find that intriguing. Touchdown percentage, which the touchdown percentage is what percentage of passes thrown ended with a touchdown. The highest touchdown percentage is actually from, I'm not even going to get this right because it was from 1960, Rudy Bukic. I'm going to say, I probably butchered that big time, who started 11 games. He had 6.3. Terry Hanratty was second with 5.8. Bobby Lane was, was next with 5.7. Terry Bradshaw was fourth with 5.4. Ed Brown, 5.2. To get to a modern person, you got to get to number six, which is Ben Roethlisberger at 5.0. And then right below him at 4.9 is the beloved Dick Shiner. So that just goes to show that when it came to touchdown percentages, how the percentage of throwing a touchdown, it was better back then because you weren't throwing as many passes. So therefore, you know, you would, you would get those touchdowns and you ha- would have a much higher percentage. Then I looked at interception percentage, but you want to look at that from the lowest number. The lowest number out of all these guys was actually Kent Graham in his five starts where he had one, one interception. Um, but he but he threw 148 passes. Um, he had a 0.7 interception percentage. After that, it's Neil O'Donnell at 2.4 and Ben Roethlisberger at 2.5, Mason Rudolph at 2.9, and then number five was Cordell Stewart at 3.4. That's the top five of those percentage. Um, well, the only other real good percentage one that I looked at that I thought was interesting was I looked at sack percentage of of players that was that were sacked the least, um, I wanted a low percentage for that one. Now I'll be honest with you, that doesn't include everybody um, because they're the ones in the fifties and early sixties. Um, they didn't have that, but just so basically looking at one since then, you got um, the the best was three point five as the percentage. That was Joe Gillum. Um, from 72 to 75 in his seven starts, he had the few, he was uh, sacked the fewest percentage. Now, when I say starts, this has everyone's stats. I'm fairly certain, but the minimum was they had to start the uh, number two when it comes to the, to the least sacked is Mason Rudolph at 4%. Um, followed by Kent Nix at 4.65, Charlie Batch at 4.79, and Mike Tomzak at 4.89. Those are the ones that are under five. And just so you know, Roethlisberger was 6.16%, just in case you were wondering. But I like looking at some of those historical numbers. So, so you look at this. If a quarterback could come in for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, and if they could just throw more touchdowns than interceptions – Look at where that's going to put you on the list. Start five games, throw more touchdowns than interceptions, and you're going to be in the top, in the top, probably 
top six because you know Bradshaw was 0.01 and then number five was point one point oh five. So you could probably, as a quarterback, you know, if, if you have two more touchdowns and interceptions for what you do this year, chances are that's going to put you in the top five all time for the Steelers. Um, but that's just that's just interesting that they could kind of write their legacy in that way. So um, I hope you enjoyed the answer to that question. I always like to take it a little bit further, but thank you very much, M. Dibs. That's that was a great question. Make sure you're firing off those questions to me whenever you have them. And as I say, make sure you are listening to all of our podcasts. Hey, I had a breaking news podcast yesterday about Minka Fitzpatrick. I just pulled out a calculator, typed in a couple numbers, and threw out a figure of what I thought the Steelers could save on the salary cap. And it was lower than even what I came up with here uh, that I had put on the breaking news. So if you heard that and thought, oh, that's different. That's, I, I, I admitted it during the podcast that I was not really putting much into it and just tried to throw a number out there really fast. Um, I just took the $36 million rather than the thirty-five and and divided it out. That's, that's why it was different. Um, didn't take into account the base salary of the first year. Um, so that's that that's make sure you check in that out so you get like the breaking news. The best way to get our podcast, I'll be honest with you, this is this is my own version of heart to heart. If you really want to know the best way to get our podcasts, you go you you go to Apple Podcasts or whatever it is. To me it's the little I have an iPhone and it's the it's the purple app. Uh, you go there, you search for Steelers, behind the steel curtain is gonna be one of your top choices. You click on it, you hit subscribe. It sends the podcast to you. You don't have to go through and look for for which one you want to see. They'll send them all to you, and then you can just look through. I mean, you don't have to search other places. They're all right there, and then you can can listen to the ones that you you like, and hopefully you like all of them. We understand that it's not for everyone. We don't we don't try to make every podcast that that a listener that every listener should want to listen to every. Not they don't want to. That every we don't expect every listener to listen to every podcast because. We try to produce enough content to where there's something for everybody. Even asking our own staff, we understand there are certain people that are drawn to different things, and that's all right, and that's what what makes us great as Steelers fans, that we can enjoy these different things. But honestly, my challenge to you during these six weeks where there's not much news, check out a BTSC podcast you haven't checked out before. You might be surprised. You you might have yet to find your favorite one. And what's interesting is if you're if you're listening to, to this one right now, I'm, I'm already telling you, you could find a better one than this one just by checking them all out. And of course, we, you know, we've got our YouTube and Facebook live shows that are also go out on the, on the audio form. So make sure you're checking that out, checking out behind the steel curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, went a little bit long today, but really wanted to, 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 to make some disclaimers with those Minka Fitzpatrick numbers, but thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out. With me.